Candace Lim. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And Rachel, there's a question I've been thinking about all weekend, which is, would you still be my friend if I was a shrimp, or would you cook me? Wow, this is the classic question of would Mm -hmm. you still love me if I was a snail? Mm. Um... Okay, uh, question. <laughs> Did I know you before you were a shrimp or have I only known you as a shrimp? I think this is a princess and frog situation where like you knew me as person, I became shrimp. Okay, in that case, yes, I would still be friends with you. I would get you a little aquarium. I would make sure your life was as happy as possible. I would try to get you a shrimp boyfriend. I would do... <gasps> I would create a shrimp bachelor situation (laughs) where I would just be putting like men in to see if you like them every single day just to make sure. Oh my God. This is so sweet. You're producing me. You're producing shrimp bachelor. Wake up. I am. Jesse Palmer. I'm putting it on TikTok. I'm saying I have my shrimp here. Her name is Candace. Wink, wink. Um, We're seeing if she will pick a suitor today. And the ones that don't get chosen, I will be turning into shrimp fried rice. Yes. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You're going to eat that? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. I will eat the men who offend you. You're welcome. This is great. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That was a very satisfying answer because it was a test. And guess what? <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was one of the many random tweets I saw on the timeline this weekend. Therefore, I must ask you... How about you? What did you read, watch, see, eat? Um, I didn't see this this weekend, but you asking me that question did make me think of one of my favorite tweets, which is, you're telling me a shrimp fried this rice? I love that one, too. I it's love that one, too. It's just a classic. Too. I never get mad when I see it again. I'm like, yeah, no, that's pretty fucking funny. So that's not what I read this weekend. I don't know if I read anything this weekend. I'm going to be completely honest. I was really just like, what if I laid in bed and caught up on all of my reality television on Saturday? Because mm-hmm. for the seventh weekend in a row, it was raining in New York. It's literally wow. been over two months of beautiful weather during the week and then rain on the weekend. It is horrific. So I just watched, you know, Golden Bachelor. Yes. Bachelor in Paradise. Mm -hmm. GB Bibo. Love is Blind. I really was just like, you know what? Let me check in on my little people who are technically real, but not really. Mm -hmm. Checking on your Sims, I see. Exactly. Exactly. Uh Well, I'm really glad you mentioned GBBO a.k.a. Great British Baking Show, because I, too, have caught up. And here's the thing. Listeners, I will not spoil anything from this season because I'm a nice person, but let me just say one thing, okay? Dan, if you're oh listening, my God. How did I count know you your days, mate, because wow. I, know, I know that you're hot, and I know oh my God. that you have rugby dad bod vibes going, but that showstopper, mate, it was, yeah. <laughs> could you're have been right. the last one. Mm-hmm. You're right. Can we just take a moment to appreciate Allison Hammond, though, who is the new... She's so good. The new host who replaced Matt... <laughs> I, too, forgot um, his name. 
I'm sorry. He's so irrelevant to my life. She is so good. I love her so much. It is so clear that none of the other hosts of the show liked Matt because of the way that they're talking to Allison. She just brings such a bit of joy to this already joyful show because she isn't afraid to make herself the butt of the joke. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. She replaced Matt Lucas, who yes. I know him best as that one weird brother from Bride. Yes, yes. That's that's how I know him. But Allison Hammond, you might know her as the person who interviewed Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. when they promoted Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and it was like the only time Harrison Ford has ever experienced ever joy smiled. on camera. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. I love her. I hope she like stays for the rest of oh, the series. Same. You know, and. Rachel, as you and I both watched this show, I actually wonder if you experienced this, which is, Mm. do you ever watch GBBO or Mm -hmm. another cooking show? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I could really go for a macaron right now. Or you're like, ooh, I could really go for like a creamy baked lobster mac and cheese right now. Oh, 100%. Also because I tend to watch these shows high and it Mm. really just... I don't want to talk about the Grubhub expenses that are made <laughs> when I'm watching Great British Baking Show and I'm a little bit high. Like, it just, the cravings hit you. Everything looks so good. Also, a part of you is like, I could 100% make a three-tier chocolate cake right now. Oh, I know. And here's the thing. This happened to me this week because as I'm watching GBBO Weekend, it's a very pastel show. And so for some reason, I was like, I could really go for a milkshake. And I specifically mm. wanted like a nice cold strawberry milkshake. And guess what? I got one. I did. Okay, you know what's weird? Hmm. I also got a milkshake this weekend. No, you didn't. No, you yeah, didn't. I did. I did. I did, babes. <laughs> I got a milkshake this weekend, too. That is so funny. Okay, let's talk about this because I will say, I will say straight up, I did get my milkshake from a national chain. Said chain rhymes with Lick Ronald's. You guessed that. Mm-hmm. And yes. here's the thing. I understand. Fast food milkshakes. They have a bad rap. They're not the finest cuisine. But I haven't had oh. a milkshake in like many, many, many years. So there was something about it that really hit so hard. But Rachel, tell me about your milkshake. Where did it come from? What was in it? You know, serve me said deets. Okay. So first, I would like to tell the listeners who might think this bit was manufactured. Me and Candace do not communicate outside work hours or over the weekend because we have boundaries. So when I tell you we showed up on Monday and we're like, how was your weekend? Oh, I got a milkshake. I got a milkshake. This is a real thing that happened. So I'd just like to let everyone know that because I think some of y'all think we make this shit up. We don't. Yeah. Out of the way. Second, my milkshake was dairy-free because Mm. as listeners of the show know, I am lactose intolerant. I cannot tolerate lactose. I'm sorry. It's impossible. That's where my tolerance ends. So... I went to this bar for one of my friend's birthdays who's probably listening to this show. Hello, Alex. (laughs) And they have dairy-free milkshakes. And importantly, I'm not drinking right now because I'm doing a weightlifting competition Mm -hmm. in like a few weeks. And so I obviously was going to go to the party, but I was like, oh, I can't have a little drink. It's fine. I'll get a ginger beer. But then I remember this bar has dairy-free milkshakes. And for the three days before this party, I was just like, I'm going to get me a dairy-free milkshake. And I did. And it was coffee-flavored, and it was so good. I I levitated. I levitated. Oh, wow. I love coffee ice cream, so I'm sure I would have loved that. Maybe we should, like, throw a party there. Yeah? Mm, Honestly, it's really large. It's a really large space. We could easily throw a party there. 
Amazing. Okay. I also have to say, is there like any chance that maybe we're a little bit inspired by that diner date that Gary had on Golden Bachelor when he like took Teresa to a diner and then they danced where like the employees of said diner became performers. Very glee like, by the way. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And they, like, shared a shake. They, like, made out and stuff. Maybe they kind of got to us, you know, the the industry, the milkshake industry. You know, I am very susceptible to subliminal messaging, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. But, you know, they got us. And now, today, we got you, listeners, because we are going to bring you an update on someone who's been mentioned on the show for not good reasons. Was that transition a little bit crazy yes but it worked (laughs) and we're also going to answer an email from a listener that delighted us and asked us some very good questions Mm -hmm. so we're going to take a short break but when we come back we're going to give you an update on bobby altoff's still running podcast and we're gonna ask who is crazy pesto Susie?" after the break Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so make sure you never miss an episode like this past Saturday's, which was all about the wild world of LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn. It's crazy over there now. We also got an exclusive voice memo from a celebrity. You might want to check that out. And we're back. So a few episodes ago, we talked about someone who's been making the rounds on TikTok and Twitter, and their name is Bobby Altoff. You might know her as the blonde girl who interviewed Drake in his bed, Mark Cuban on the floor, and Offset in a studio this time. Why do you want to get to know me? Um, I didn't. You did. Your team reached out to mine. Don't cap. Let's not cap about that. Let's not put, let's not flex for the ground. Uh oh. CAP. So, Bobby is the host of the Really Good Podcast, which, you know, I can't talk about poor SEO on a show that's called ICYMI, so we'll move on. (laughs) And this clip that we just played is definitely the one that caught my and seemingly everyone else's attention because Bobby was just. I'm sorry, she was just so rude. Her whole thing is that she plays his character, and she has said multiple times in interviews that it is a character. But this character comes off as very stiff, cold, deadpan, awkward, like very, very dry. Think like Michael Sarah, but in girl form and not nearly as lovable. Mm-hmm. And in our episode, we talked about how there's something a little discomforting about the way Bobby invites mainly black celebrities on her podcast. And she just completely tanks the interview for laughs. You know, after the Offset interview, a lot of people were asking, what is funny about this? Make it make sense. Like, what is funny about having an interviewer waste someone's time and play games when there's like a million other qualified journalists who would kill to have that opportunity? And to be clear, Bobby's actually kind of the symptom of a larger problem. We live in a celebrity economy where a lot of celebrities would rather do kind of softball interviews like this, where you're really not going to get questioned that hard rather than do interviews with qualified journalists where you might face a question you maybe don't want to answer. 
Like, Offset actually responded to all of the kind of hubbub around the video going viral and was like, I had a great time. This was all for laughs. I don't know what y'all are mad about. All to say, we are back with a Bobby update because recently she's been making the rounds again for interviewing the actress Scarlett Johansson. Can I put some of that on your hair? Because there's a piece that's like... Is there? Yeah. Would you? I would love to. Thank you. So there's a few things to point out here. One... I think this is clearly a publicity stop for ScarJo, who is promoting her skincare line, The Outset. You know, there is this huge headshot of ScarJo with the company's name on the wall right behind them in this interview. ScarJo is also wearing like an Outset sweatshirt. Like to me, it is pretty obvious what this is. And in this clip, Bobby asks Scarlett if she uses her own products. Scarlett says yes. They all say yes. They never actually use the product. (laughs) Anyway, Bobby says, hey... You have a flyaway in your part. Can I use your product to smooth that down? Scarlett's like, sure, babe. And Bobby spends the next few seconds just like touching her hair, which is something that has never happened in any other Bobby interview. Mm. What's making people talk is Bobby, her general demeanor and attitude towards Scarlett is pretty different than the one she usually has with celebrities like Offset. Like, it's still awkward, but it's more kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, all of a sudden, Bobby isn't playing this, like, deadpan character. Bobby is attentive and engaged and asking questions that were clearly made to benefit her guest. She is generous and playing their game. And by the way, Bobby is also wearing an Outset sweatshirt. So to me... I kind of feel like the power dynamic has switched here. And I also can't help but ask, is Bobby acting differently because ScarJo is a white woman? And the thing is, Candace, you're not the only one to ask that question. The good people of Twitter X, whatever, have also been asking that question. Bobby has had some big names on her podcast like Shaq, Little Yachty, Tyga, And she has maintained the same vibe of, like, I literally could not give less of a shit that you're here. I don't care about you. So Twitter has basically been like, run the tapes. We're about to pretend this is a Zapruder film. And we're going (laughs) to analyze frame by frame. And they're like, why does the facade drop when ScarJo is in the room? And so people are tweeting things like, oh, so she's only awkward with Black people. Or... It's crazy how Bobby Althoff acts like Severus Snape when she's interviewing rappers, but the moment she interviews a white person, she starts acting like she cares about how people feel. And to be fair, people are responding to just one clip because the full interview hasn't dropped yet. But I did see a tweet that said, I feel like she only has a softer tone because she's a woman. I don't think it has anything to do with race, which kind of made me go, huh, okay. So what do we think about this? Is it about race? Is it like a woman-to-woman thing? I think it's more of a power thing than anything Mm. else. Like, Bobby has interviewed women before, and white women at that. Famously, her first interview was with Colleen Ballinger, a.k.a. Miranda Sings, a.k.a. Cancelled Person of the Year. Mm -hmm. And she mispronounced Colleen's name throughout the whole interview, if that's any indication of her demeanor uh, in that interview. Bobby also interviewed Tamin Sursok, who played Jenna Marshall on Pretty Little Liars. And she asked Tamin if the lie in Pretty Little Liars was that she was pretty, which, 
again, is an indication of Bobby's vibe in that interview. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, both Colleen and Tamman are white women. So it's not really that, it seems like. Again, we're going off of a one-minute teaser clip at this point. So it's not even that. What it seems to me is that it's really, again, about, like, access to power. All these other people that Bobby was interviewing were basically stepping stones, it seems like. And the majority of Bobby's stepping stones just so happen to be Black men, which is gross, but also, like, they chose to be there. Yeah. And I feel like what kind of irks me the most is that Bobby is clearly treating certain guests a certain way. And regardless of what criteria begets that treatment, I think it just kind of goes against the role of the interviewer, which is to treat all guests with the same level of care. You know, for example, we brought him up in the episode, Sean Evans. I think what people like about Sean on Hot Ones is that no matter who you are, so Viola Davis, David Dobrik, Alton Brown, he's going to give you the same level of research and attention and background digging, and it levels the playing field. So there is kind of this certain expectation that you as a guest will get a fair chance. Now, Rachel, why do you think this clip of Bobby interviewing ScarJo, why do you think this one is kind of infuriating people again? Like, I would say it's maybe making people even more mad than, like, the entire back catalog of disrespect that she usually goes viral for. I think it's the fact that this clip is kind of happening right after the Offset clip went viral, so people are really juxtaposing them. A lot of people, including me, got the sense that Bobby's interviewing style wasn't really as, like, inflexible as it seemed up until this point, and that it might be situational. And the ScarJo clip seems to prove that. Up until this point, there really was no proof. It was all just, like, I got a hunch. And the hunch was correct. And it just raises the question of what exactly does Bobby perceive as different between ScarJo and Drake, right? Because I would argue that they're at about the same level of fame and influence. Like, the question is, whose star power does Bobby respect more and why? Mm, that's interesting, because, you know, to me, it is just so clear that Bobby is also playing ScarJo's game. She is playing by ScarJo's rules. And maybe that's what concerns me, is that, you know, ScarJo, pretty big get in terms of, like, A-list Oscar-nominated bookings. So if ScarJo is down, if she's willing to say yes, I, I worry about the domino effect. You know, like, who else in Hollywood is going to get their team to, like, reach out to Bobby and be like, hey, we'd love to be on. And mm. is this a turning point for the really good podcast in the same way that there was a turning point for Hot Ones or Chicken Shop Date, where all of a sudden, these little shows, they become these, like, A-list campaign stops. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd argue Drake was kind of the turning point and Bobby's mm. basically been rising ever since. Again, maybe this is my own personal bias. I really don't feel like ScarJo is a bigger get than Drake mm. because ScarJo does interviews. Drake does it. I wouldn't be surprised if after this, though, the higher caliber actors start going on the really good podcast. What I'm actually interested in is to see who chooses to go on after this because at this point... Bobby actually really isn't a safe choice. Like, the interview is going to be a softball one, but the other choices in this style, like Amelia of Chicken Shop Day or Sean of Hot Ones, they're universally beloved. No yeah. one finds them that annoying. No one is analyzing their clips 
for racism, you know? <laughs> Every interview Bobby gets now is going to be looked at with this lens. So I wonder who's going to be willing to deal with that going forward. And I also wonder if Bobby will ever interview a black woman. That's kind of the dynamic I want to see the most. Yeah, that's actually a very, very good question. And, you know, unfortunately, I also feel like Bobby is only going to become a hotter ticket from here on out. So I guess that's all we know right now for the Bobby update. And now we want to turn to the inbox because we got an email from a listener named Alberto. Yes, and Alberto writes, Lately, I've noticed a type of video popping up in my TikTok feed. Basically, these videos start out with a woman named Susie making pesto. And Susie says, Call me crazy, but I don't like store-bought pesto. Then the woman stitching Susie cuts in and says something like, OMG, Susie, you're a lunatic then launches into a completely bonkers and seemingly true story from her own life. Alberto continues, I was hoping you could help provide some background on these. Like, who is Susie? Why are almost all of the participants women? Is there even a reason for this beyond just fun? So this is actually one of my favorite trends that's happened on TikTok in a hot minute. And we're going to dive into why. But first, we're going to take a short break. back. So I have to admit that I haven't actually been party to this trend, but Rachel, you are. So tell me, who is Susie? Okay, so the infamous Susie. Her full name is Susie Vidal. She is a 25-year-old cooking TikToker from Michigan who, I'm gonna be honest, just seems like a nice Midwestern sweetie. Like, I look at her and I'm like, you seem so, so nice. She currently has 3.5 million followers on TikTok and 1.4 million on Instagram, and they go to her for shit like recipes for taco salad and strawberry lemon sorbet. Like her food honestly looks pretty good. And it's all very simple, including this recipe that was posted on September 1st for homemade pesto. Call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. I don't know why. I think it's because it never has enough garlic or flavor. It's fine because I think it tastes better homemade anyways. And it's very easy. For dinner tonight, I'm literally just having pesto and noodles because girl dinner. And because I'm lazy. I don't want to put more than like 10 minutes of effort into dinner tonight. Two garlic cloves, one third cup parmesan, a tablespoon and a half of pine nuts. I also made this exact same pesto with my focaccia bread video. I just figured why not? I'll show you what what I eat on a normal day when I'm lazy and don't want to cook something. A tablespoon of olive, wait, this is a lemon. That's pretty good. I think my brain was thinking of focaccia bread and then I was like olive oil. If you know, you know. Now I just associate the two together. Cup of packed basil. We lost a leaf. A fourth cup, olive oil. Now we add the olive oil. Blend this until smooth. Wait, I lied. Hold on. A little pinch of salt. Taste test. Oh no. So much better than store-bought. I can't get over it. You could also toast the pine nuts and that would be really good, but I'm lazy. Little bit of pasta water, I say. Some Parmesan. Also gonna add some red pepper flakes. Damn, that looks good. Mmm. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly what I wanted today. So good. This video currently has 8.9 million views. Now, before I move on, Candace, what's your reaction to this video? I think your description is very correct. Definitely thinking about Wishbone Kitchen. Definitely hammering in. It feels like she's FaceTiming with you personally. So it's almost like getting a cameo from Rachel Ray. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's a very simple 
recipe in a very innocuous video filmed by one of the most prototypical Midwestern white women I've ever seen. And that is no shade to Susie, okay? I love my Food Network white women. Honestly, I still kind of go for Paula Deen. Mm. And that's, I'm allowed to do that. (laughs) Don't come for me. (laughs) But it only makes the trend that Alberto noticed even funnier. The kind of key tension, if you will, that viewers notice about this video comes within the first three seconds when Susie says, call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto, which the phraseology of call me crazy if you want is a normal thing to say, but also kind of inherently hilarious in context because is it really that crazy to not like store-bought pesto? No, I mean, I've never thought about it until this moment. But yeah, I don't think it's wild to say you prefer pesto that isn't store-bought. I'm not a pesto expert, but I'm sure it's akin to like cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. Like there's Mm -hmm. people who like it in a can and there's people who are very hardcore homemade cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I personally actually love this brand of, I think, New York-specific pesto from Gotham Greens. I love it. I eat it all the time. Regardless, Susie doesn't like it. Susie wants no part of the pesto that is in the store. She is not Ina Garden saying, store-bought is fine, okay? And that's apparently crazy to her. But maybe not to other people who start stitching this video kind of, I would say, lightheartedly making fun of her. Here's one of my favorite videos in this vein. Call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. I don't know why. I think it's because it never has enough... You're crazy! Crazy! You're fucking crazy! And then there's this one. Call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. Oh my god, you're freaking crazy, girl. (laughs) And then there's this one from someone who might be familiar. Call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. Oh my, you're crazy. (laughs) You're crazy. Wait a minute. Was that Josh Peck of the titular Drake and Josh? It was. It was Josh Peck. Like, Susie's impact, you know? She's just making Mm -hmm. homemade pesto, and here is Josh Peck stitching her. But this is one of my favorite parts of TikTok, is the way that, like, one or two people will notice something a little bit funny. Like, Susie's saying it's crazy to not like store-bought pesto. And then they make videos that get millions of likes, like those first two I just played. And then somewhere down the line, Josh Peck is getting involved. Where else will you see that happening? It's beautiful. What people are picking up on in the Susie video, to me, is similar (laughs) to the vibe of that meme of that woman in the grocery store (laughs) with the bag of chips on her head (laughs) in the frozen food aisle. And the caption is... She's so crazy. I love her. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Which, by the way, guys, very easy, great Halloween costume. Also, every time I see that photo, I feel like that woman looks exactly like Darcy Carden from The Good Place to me. But that is beside the point. Yeah. There's like this genre of woman that I think people are kind of seeing in that clip of Susie that thinks they're really quirky and crazy for doing shit that's really not that quirky or crazy or is like a kind of very manufactured quirky and crazy compared to, well, compared to something like this. Call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. I bit a man at a bar last week um, because he touched my shoulder. I broke the skin. Wait, hold on. 
the notification I just got. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay, first <laughs> I, I I feel obliged to mention this. Um, this was posted by Carly Aquilino, who is not only a comedian, she was like on Girl Code, she's been on Hot Ones. Also, allegedly, Pete Davidson's ex-girlfriend. Okay. Oh. Second, she been a man? What? Mm-hmm. Also, what notification popped up at the end? I have to know. <laughs> um, it's a Google Calendar notification that reads in all caps, psychiatrist at 420 <gasps> with the tongue out emoji. <laughs> wow. That is cinematic. Okay, Scorsese could never. Mm-hmm. Killing of the Flower Moon. Where? <laughs> but this video represents a really fascinating turn in the Susie Pesto phenomenon, which is what Alberto emailed us about, which is people basically taking this opening of call me crazy if you want, but I've never liked store-bought pesto. And they're using it to tell the absolute most unhinged story you've ever heard in your life, usually starting off with, that is crazy, Susie, but something else crazy happened to me. Oh my gosh, Susie, that is so crazy. That reminds me of the time I was moving out of my parents' house when I was 21, and I was cleaning out the closet, and I found a social security card in the crevice of the closet that had my name on it, but it really wasn't my name. My first name was spelled differently, and the last name was a last name I did not recognize. So naturally, I'm like, excuse me, who is this to my mother? I once was dating a girl, and she calls me, and she says, hey, I've been drinking. Can you come pick me up? And it's late at night, and she's out in the city. And I'm like, sure. So I drive out there, and I pick her up, and we're driving back. And I'm like, where have you been all day? I haven't heard from you. And she was like, oh, I was just hanging out with some friends. And I was like, oh, what what did you guys do? And she was like, well, it was just me and we're going to call him Jeremy. It was just me and Jeremy. And I was like, your ex? And she was like, yeah, it was his birthday. And I was like, oh, how did you get all the way out of here to the city? And she said, he came and picked me up on his motorcycle. Susie, you are so crazy. Anyways, this summer I went on a date with a married man. And I know what you're thinking. Why would you do that? Um, Not on purpose. Okay, I showed up to our date. It was at a brewery. He had a wedding ring on. Now, at this point, I'm thinking, there's no way this is happening to me. I just got divorced like two days ago from my husband that had been cheating on me for the past two years. So, Sierra, you definitely called him out right then and there. No, absolutely not. I don't know if I can top that, but I will say that last April, I decided I needed to break up with my law school boyfriend because number one, it was not a good relationship. And number two, I was beginning to realize I was not in fact pan, but a lesbian. So I decided I was going to go over to his house the day after he finished his law school exams and break up with him. And I did. And he seemed like he took it okay. He said that he understood and that even though he was sad, it seemed like I'd made up his mind. He took it pretty well. He was accepting, except he was not. Oh my God. I mean... I really need to note that the law school boyfriend one you just heard, that person filmed it while riding a horse. And I actually never thought you could use your phone while riding a horse. So hashtag multitask, learning new things. Mm -hmm. But second, these were so captivating. I really want to hear the rest of every single one of these. Mm -hmm. We will be linking them in the show notes because honestly, every second of these videos is worth listening to. So much so that every time I see Susie pop up on my FYP talking about pesto, I just settle in because I know I'm about to hear the craziest story of my life. Which, of course, means that this is my favorite TikTok trend to happen in probably the last four months at least. And that's like conservative. I haven't felt this much joy on this app since 
SpongeBob was singing Luther Vandross. <laughs> and I remember that day very well. Um, Rachel, please explain why you love this so much. I mean, I feel like it's pretty easy to understand. I love gossip. We all know mm. this. So much so that people think I'm a terrible person because I think gossip is generally good and fine. Same. I love mess. And this is just mess on mess on mess. I don't think I've watched a single disappointing Susie video since this trend started, which is just an exceptional success rate. Actually, I, I did see one where someone was using it to explain something true crime related, and I didn't like that. Oh. I didn't watch that one. I don't like <laughs> true crime. But still, pretty high batting average for Susie and her pesto, you know? Mm-hmm. More importantly, I love how genuinely random this trend is. Like, Alberto emailed us to ask why this is happening and what it means. And the answer to both of those questions is I don't know because no one knows. Like, that's what makes it so fun. It exists outside the kind of easily explainable phenomenon that usually honestly always ties back to marketing or money making in some way. No one's making money off of a Susie Pesto video. No one's including a TikTok shop link in these videos. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I get that. And now, Rachel, you genuinely don't have any thoughts as to why this is happening? If you make me, I can. If I put my critical thinking hat on. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of original iteration of this trend that was just like low-key making fun of Susie for so seriously saying that it's crazy that she doesn't like store-bought pesto was kind of capitalizing on that vibe I was describing earlier. Like, we all know a kind of quirked-up girl whose quirks were all taken from watching 500 Days of Summer too often. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's, like, a pick-me-girl to this, too. This yes. idea of, like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'm the only one who feels this way about pesto. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think what I kind of picked out pretty quickly is that, like, it's so funny that literally three seconds of her, like, full one-minute TikTok became a meme template. Because to me, it just really shows that you will never know what the internet is going to clown you for. No, literally. And I don't know if it's fair to say that Susie is one of those kind of pick-me girls because I don't know Susie. And from her content, she seems like a sweetheart. If she's racist, please don't tell me I can't. (laughs) I can't deal with that right now. Yeah. But the kind of imagery of a pretty white Midwestern woman being like, it's so crazy. I don't like store-bought pesto. Here's my homemade version is definitely a kind of deeply anti-weird image that legitimately weird people were like, (laughs) let me make this a joke about how weird I am. Mm -hmm. And that then kind of snowballed into what I consider the platonic ideal of this trend, which is a girl who bit a man in a bar. Like, truly, Christopher Nolan wishes, you know? (laughs) At that point, it became pretty clear that stitching Susie's video with your own crazy story could easily make you go viral. It's basically prompt Twitter, but for TikTok Mm. and with gossip about your own life, which again, perfect fodder for the algorithm and for my own eyeballs. But as someone who just found out about this trend, Candace, what do you think is happening here? I don't know. I don't know if there is a strategic mastermind behind Miss Susie and the craziness and the pesto, but I think what I find really funny is, like, I just wonder if the people who stitched her TikTok were, like, waiting for this moment, you know? Like, waiting for some trend that is so vague, poster-white blank for them to kind of project onto and they were kind of waiting for some trend to go viral so they could like copy the hashtag and be like finally i've been waiting to tell my traumatic story and let it out there this is it (laughs) you know second 
I kind of wonder if this is like the evolution of girl dinner, not the actual meal itself, but I wonder if this contains the ingredients to like a winning hashtag or a winning TikTok template. You know, first, be a white girl. Number two, cook something. Is that is that what it mm. takes to go viral on said TikTok? And I actually do have one more question for you, Rachel. Yeah, sure. I could talk about Susie all day. Has Miss Susie commented on this trend she started okay so interestingly somewhat she has she's responded to comments on the original video the pesto recipe video someone commented Susie, i've heard so many fascinating stories because of you and she responded with the like little crazy face emoji someone also told her that hank green stitched this and she responded in all caps i just saw a wtf that's wild oh my god hank green he stitched it he did but I'm going to be honest. It wasn't funny enough for me to play. I'm sorry, Hank. Wow. I I know. We have to make cuts. True. True. (laughs) Anyway, my favorite comment from her was when someone said, I've seen so many diabolical stitches that I felt obligated to watch her recipe. And Susie responded, (laughs) well, thank you for the support. But the thing is, I couldn't help wanting more. I wanted to know more. So we reached out to Susie for a comment. Oh, my God. Did she respond? Unfortunately, no, she didn't. And honestly, that makes the story even better. It's a mystery for the ages. Not even Susie can answer it. Okay, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. And tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Candice Lim, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online. Or at Lick Ronald's.